Okay, as we study 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 11 through 18, I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage in that I have not heard the last two talks on this, so I really don't know what was said, uh, how to segue into that, except just to go into what I believe the chapter previous or up to this point as we look at the letter as a whole. As we remember that the whole letter is written because there were a few who were in Corinth who were saying, we don't have to listen to Paul He's not really an apostle. He, you know, they were Judaizers. There were some Gnostics, and they were claiming that he doesn't have the authority to do what uh, he was trying to do with them. And there were some who were believing him about that. And so he goes on in the first part of this chapter, and he talks about all the difficulties and challenges and all these things that he has gone through just to be able to deliver the message to them because he cares about them and he loves them and he wants them to have that message. So that kind of sets us up for where we are. Uh, and in verse 11, it says, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. So Paul is trying to let them know that, first of all, he has spoken honestly with them. He says, We've spoken o- openly to you. He talked to the elders at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20. He says, I've taught you everything, both publicly and house to house. I've, I've spoken openly to you. I've been honest about these th- types of things. And so as he's been honest with them, he says, our heart is wide open. In other words, I have this affection for you because I care about you. I'm going to tell you what you need to know because I love you. My heart is wide open to you. And he's going to go on in just a moment and explain to them that, yes, his heart is wide open to them, but they haven't been honest with him. They haven't been uh, up front with him completely. And they are the reason why they don't have, if there's a barrier in the relationship, they're the reason why. As he goes on and he says, you are not restricted by us. There's no barrier between us because of me, but you are restricted by your own affections. You're keeping this barrier between us. Quit listening to the Judaizers. Quit listening to the Gnostics. If you love me, then you know where I'm coming from. You know that I went through all of these perils and difficulties and challenges because my heart is open to you and because I've been frank with you. I've just been honest about these things. And so if there's something between us, you need to know it's not on my end. I'm just telling you the truth. And I'm telling you the truth out of the place uh, from the heart. My heart is wide open to you. So you're not... The barrier is not because of me, because of what I'm telling you. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and don't do what I say? Am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? That's the idea here that he's getting across. He says, look, I've just told you the truth. I've been open and honest with you. And so if we're held back in this relationship, it's not on my part. It's on yours because of the things that you are listening to, the things that you want to hold on to as we'll get into in just a moment. Verse 13, now in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. Be open with me. Open your heart to me. If there's a barrier between us, it's not on me. You're my spiritual children. I've given myself for you. Now love me in return. Trust me. I'm the apostle that has been set aside for this work. That's what he's saying to them. And so he wants them to open their heart to Him, and not listen to the affections that they have, not follow those affections, those desires, as He's going to get into that in just a moment, not just as because of His relationship with them, but because that's what they've been called to. Because in verse 14, uh, before I get to that, when I was a kid, 
I loved Sesame Street. It came on twice a day. I knew right when it was coming on. I would spend the day outside playing. We had a big tree. And I would climb that tree. I would play outside all the time until mom said, Sesame Street is on. And I ran in the house and I watched Sesame Street. This is a picture of one of the things on Sesame Street. One of these things is not like the other. One of these things just doesn't belong. And that's the idea of the game. And you can tell that the shoe does not belong with that grouping. And that's what Paul is going to tell us as he goes on in these things. We learned at that point that the, there, there are certain things that just don't go together. That is, uh, now this is the life that we're called to. This is the life that Paul says we need to be separated from. This is why I called this, come out from among them and be separate. And he says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. One of these things, that's us, don't belong with the world. That's not what we belong to. Here, I want you to know that he is talking to the church at Corinth. He is talking to them as a group. He is not talking to them as individuals. So when he says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, he's saying to the church as a whole at Corinth, do not be involved with the Judaizers. Do not be involved with the Gnostics. Do not be involved with the temple of idols as we talked about in the book of 1 Corinthians. Because the church is what Christ established to be different. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. We are to uphold the truth. So I want to think of these things not as He is speaking to us as an individual or me as an individual or you as an individual, But if he were to write a second letter to the church at Tulsa, so this is 2 Tulsans 6.14. Okay, so think of it that way because he's writing to all of us in that way. So he's telling us all, don't be unequally yoked. You know, one of the laws was you could not yoke, and a yoke is is a burden. It was meant to link animals together so that they would do a job. And you would put these two animals together Side by side, you would yoke them together with a wood, usually something that had a ring in it, and they would pull something behind them, usually a plow, something like that. We've seen these types of things. We might not necessarily know what they are. And I'm from the city, so this is something I've never actually witnessed at all whatsoever. But I get the concept. And in the law, you could not put an ox and a donkey on the same yoke. That's being unequally yoked. Because all that ox is going to do is he's going to be pulling while that donkey's not pulling so much and that donkey's not going to be pulling his weight and they're going to go in circles. That's what's going to happen when you put the two together. When you're, by the way, the circles when you're trying to go a straight line. And you're going to wear the ox out while the donkey, he's, he's having a good time. Pretty easy for him. So that's the idea that he's putting here. And he's going to categorize us as a group of believers. To the church at Tulsa, he's going to categorize us this way. He starts off with you. And if I would, uh, if I could, the word ye is in the King James, which means that word is plural. That's why I say it's to us. In Oklahoma, that's not you, that's y'all. Okay, so he's saying y'all. And he compares us to righteousness. He compares us 
to light. He compares us to Christ because we're members of His body. He compares us to believers because that's what we are. And He compares us to the temple of God because the church is the temple of God. Now, He contrasts that. Those things is who we are. Now, He contrasts that, the you, the us, to unbelievers. Righteousness to lawlessness. Light to darkness. Christ to Belial. Another word for Satan. Believers to unbelievers. And the temple of God to the temple of idols or idol worship. That's what He is comparing us to. That's what He's contrasting us to. And He uses words in the middle of those like yoke together, fellowship, communion, accord, part, and agreement. Where light is, there is not darkness. They are not compatible. I think that's the easiest of the illustrations that he uses here to be able to visualize what he's trying to say. I'm a visual person. That makes sense to me. Where there's light, there's not darkness. And where there's darkness, there's not light. They don't go together. They are not in communion with one another. Christ has no agreement. That's what accord means. There's no agreement between Satan and Christ. It's not there. It doesn't exist. And he talks about the believer not having a part with an unbeliever. What agreement does the temple of God with idols? The people were destroyed, taken captive because they brought idols into the temple of God in the Old Testament. See, there's no part. And that's the point that he's making. We, as the church of Tulsa, we do not have a part with those other things. That's the contrast that he's trying to make. And he's doing that because they had not listen to Paul, but they were listening to the Judaizers that were on the other side. The contrast. And they were yoking themselves together with them when they should be separating themselves from them. Because they already were. As we continue on, it says, And has God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So we, we're not to be unequally yoked together with them since we're yoked to get, uh, not yoked together with them. We don't have participation with them. But he goes on and he says, I will dwell in them. That word uh, in, I want to notice that when he says, I will dwell in them and walk among them. The in and the among are the same word. Notice second, uh, or Exodus 29 and verse 45. Uh, I want to go back here just a minute. So Esword is what I copy these verses from. And all I do is copy those and paste them. And I want you to know Esword's not yelling at us. That's not why it's in all caps. The reason it's in all caps is because it's a reference to an Old Testament verse. So that's the Esword way of showing us what the Old Testament uh, references are. So let's get the Old Testament reference, Exodus 29 verse 45. I will dwell among the children of Israel and be their God. That is what he is saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I will dwell among them. He's here. He's among us. He's our Father. Christ is our brother. He's not, they're not something that's, God is not far away from us. That's not how God operates. He's here with us. He's with us when we're separated from all this other stuff because that's where God is. 
And so he's telling them, and he's using an Old Testament reference to do this, saying, you belong to God. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they'll be my people. Verse 17, he says, Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. The best reference I could find from this is Exodus chapter or Isaiah 52 and verse 11, where it says, Depart, depart, go out from there, touch no unclean thing, go out from the midst of her, be clean, you who bear the vessels of the Lord. Now the vessels of the Lord in that time would have been the things that were in the temple and the things that they would have used to worship those things. Today, we are the temple and we're the vessels. Each one of us are those vessels. We bear the vessels of the Lord. We carry the Lord with us because He's our God and we're His people. He dwells among us. We carry the gospel of Jesus Christ that has been put into earthen vessels. We've read that scripture before. So that's who we are. And so we're not to touch the unclean thing. We're to get away from those things. The things that would have been unclean in the Old Testament, they would have understood what that meant. Today, we're to get away from those things because that's not what the church is about. We're not to associate with those things or believe in, or follow after the Judaizers and the Gnostics, and so on and so forth. Then in verse 18, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. This is kind of a collection of different references. First we have Jeremiah 31, and verse 1, At the same time, says the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. And if we string that together with Isaiah 43, verse 6, I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the ends of the earth. So we are to be different. We are to be His sons and daughters. And we're to come to Him. What kind of authority does a father have if the children aren't listening to their father? He would have none. We are his sons and daughters. And so we're to be family with one another. That's the kind of relationship that we're supposed to have as his children. So he's talking about all these things to help to illustrate to them that about their love for him, that they need to be open with him and get away from this other stuff, these other influences. Don't be unequally yoked with them. Be separate from them. Don't touch the unclean thing because you belong to Christ. And that's what Paul's message is about. So Paul is defending his apostleship in one way, but in another, he's also saying, it's not about me, it's about your relationship with Christ. I'm only the messenger of that, and my heart's open to you, and I've spoken honest with you. All you've got to do is believe it and follow after Jesus. That's his point. So what are some lessons that we can learn? We want to get everything in context. What does that passage say? What is it really about? How does it fit in the context of the chapter and within the greater, uh, the greater letter? But there are some things that we can learn from this beyond some practical application of things we can do. Number one, do not fellowship with darkness, but fellowship with light. 1 John chapter 1, and verse 5, this is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light 
and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, notice this, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanses us from all sin. You see, in God, there is no darkness at all. So if we are going to be in fellowship with Him, we can't claim that we're in the light and doing darkness, doing those evil things. But when we do, when we come out from among them, from the darkness, we have fellowship with others who are in the light. So that's who we spend our time with. That's who we share our lives with. We don't yoke up with those who are unbelievers. We yoke with those who are believers. And there are a lot of people who would influence us towards darkness, and they do it in very subtle ways, just as Satan did in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3. And that's why we need each other. That's why we need to be spending that time together, so we could keep those things out. And you're going to get those things from the classroom to the TV to internet to social media to all kinds of things. All kinds of influences. Some will be within the family. Some, as Acts 20, as Paul is warning those in Acts 20, will arise from among us. So we need to be make, making sure that we are walking in the light and getting away from the darkness. Number two, we are different. Be different. First Peter 2, verse 9, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. See, he's already made us different. He's already called us out of darkness. He's the one that put us in the light. He's made us different. He's made us his special people. Therefore, we need to act like it and sing forth his praises because no one else is going to. The world's not going to sing the praises of God, I guarantee you. It's up to us. If we don't do it, even the rocks will cry out. That's what the scripture says. That's not the rock's job. That's our job. We need to be singing His praises because He's made us different than everybody else. Number three, He freed us from sin, so stay away from sin. James 1 and verse 27, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. A lot of times we talk about what pure and undefiled religion is, and we go on to talk about what to visit the orphans and the widows in their time of trouble. And certainly, pure religion and undefiled is to visit the fathers and the, uh, the orphans and widows in their trouble. I keep wanting to go King James, I'm sorry. The fatherless and the widows. That's what I grew up knowing. It's really hard to say visit the orphans and widows in their trouble. That's even where I got time in their time of trouble. So I apologize for that. Sometimes you just can't get away from it, even as many years as I've been preaching out of New King James. But anyway, uh, to visit there means to attend to. It means more than just going and paying a visit to someone like we would typically use that today. However, let's not stop there. That's not where the verse ends. It continues on. It says, and, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. See, Jesus has cleansed us from our sins. He's freed us from that bondage. Why would we go back to it? It makes no sense. The Old Testament talks about how God has put those things as far as deep in the ocean as 
our sins and our guilt are as deep in the ocean as they could possibly get. How many of us go swimming for those sins and try to bring them back up? How many of us stand right there on the shore hoping that we see something float up and we can grab it? Let's quit doing that. That's not pure religion. Pure religion and undefiled is to keep oneself unspotted from the world. He set us free from sin. It's time to get away from it. Come out from among them and be separate. And the last one, number four, we belong to God. We need to act like we belong to God. Since the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch, we've been called Christians ever since. We wear the name of Christ. We need to remember that as we go, that we are wearing the name of Christ. We are representing Christ because we belong to God. 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. I'm going to stop right there for just a minute and talk about what it means to gird up the loins of your mind. We've talked about it a few times, but we don't use that language typically today. To gird up is to cinch up, to gather up. Loins would be the, the clothes that you might wear around your legs, like robes. So you're cinching up your robes. Typically, you're bringing those in together, and you're putting them in the belt so that you can run or that you can go to battle or you can wrestle because people were wrestling back then. So he says, gird up the loins of your mind. Prepare your mind for the battle, for the wrestling match, to run if need be. That's what he's saying uh, that kind of discipline that we need to have is to prepare our mind for that type of thing. And rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts is in your ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. We're to be different. We're to be set apart. We're to live the way that God wants us to live because we belong to God. And we need to prepare a mind for that battle and to run or flee from the unclean thing if necessary. So come out from among them and be separate. Second Tulsans chapter 6, verses 11 through 18, we learn that we do not need to fellowship with darkness but light, that we are different. To be different, he freed us from sin. Stay away from sin. We belong to God, and we need to act like it. Hope that the message has been encouraging to you in some way. It's good to be home uh, and to be a part of this. I wish I would have heard last week so that I could go into this week, but that's okay. You could say that's my own fault for being gone for two weeks. But anyway, I, I'm just glad to be home. And if something about this message has touched you in some way and you need our help and our strength, we are a body together. We are together the temple of God, and He's dwelling among us. And so when one member of that body suffers, we all suffer with it. We need to be that close that we would talk about those things openly, that we would open our heart and speak honestly about those things. And so if there's something in your life that you need the strength of the church and to pray to God for, we would help you in any way that we can so that we together are walking in fellowship in the light. So if we can help you in some way, please let us know by coming forward as we stand and as we sing.